This is Tom Little from Run Come See, and I am the creator of a songwriting workshop called The Haunted Boy Project, and this is Hometown Sounds.
everybody. Welcome back to Hometown Sounds. As you know, we show you how DC rocks. I'm Paul Vodra, and our beloved co-host Tony Preco has the week off, and we are joined this week by Mr. Tom Little of the band Run Come See, and his new project is the rock opera called The Haunted Boy, and we are going to give you a special full episode talking about it Woo! and playing some songs from it. That's right. And get you excited to go see it. So why don't we start off with the very important details about the show and where people can go to find more info. Sure. This show is happening on November 11th, 12th, and 13th, and 18th, 19th, and 20th. We're doing a six-show run at Joe's Movement Emporium, uh, which is in Mount Rainier, Maryland, uh, just down the street from where this story originated from, actually. And uh, you can get tickets by going to either joesmovement.org or you can go to our website, which has a lot of information about this project and, and bios about all the artists and a few um, uh, samples of some songs. It's called thehauntedboyproject.com. So what is the origin story of this show? <laughs> and, and what made you decide to make a rock opera? Um, besides just wanting to write an rock, rock opera, because <laughs> right. that sounds amazing. Um, about uh, 10 years ago, I went and to the 6th and I synagogue, and a buddy of mine had called me up and said, hey, I got these tickets to the show. I want you to come with me. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I think you're going to love it. I was like, okay, I'm game. So we went into the basement of the 6th and I, and I saw the, the DC version of the concert album version of Town which is now a musical uh, by Anais Mitchell. And it was in the concert album form. Uh, and it totally changed my life in terms of this idea of writing a long form piece of music that followed, you know, a concept album, right? And so my buddy and I went home and we started talking about ideas and like, could we do this? Like, what kind of story would we tell? Where would we start? And I'm from Mount Rainier, Maryland. And around our town is the story of the exorcist, uh, the family who the exorcist franchise is built on, uh, that William Peter Blatty, uh, wrote his book and screenplay from, uh, comes from our area, actually, uh, about eight blocks from my house, uh, it's a town called cottage city, Maryland. And the family that this whole exorcist story came from was from our neighborhood. And I love all things local. And I, uh, we we kind of talked around this idea of what, what what could we do with this, and it was a really great idea t at the time. But much like um, uh, great ideas sometimes go the way of the wind, so did the project at that time. And it was, so I talked to a couple artists, and it was like, ah, oh, that'd be fun. And then we all got busy. <laughs> um, so ten years later, fast forward ten years, um, I was invited to be the um, artist in residence at the Brentwood Arts Exchange. Um, I did a couple of shows of my own music. Um, some solo stuff. I brought my band Run Come See to play. Um, but the expectation was at the end of the, the artist residence that there would be some new work played. Um, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is to collaborate with other musicians. Um, and I started thinking about that kind of obsession with wanting to collaborate and how could I do that in a larger form. I negotiated with Brentwood Arts Exchange to get a little bit more money and was able to start a songwriting workshop around this idea from 10 years ago uh, to see if we could write a rock opera, which at the time we didn't know if it was going to be a rock opera. We were calling it a folk opera for a while, and then some people were calling it a musical, and then some people were calling it a concept album. We didn't really know what we were starting with, um, but that's kind of where the whole thing started. We 
uh, last year we did put on a show of 10 songs, um, which is what you're going to hear some of the audio from tonight. Um, we had a great uh, recording from that live show. So everything you're going to hear tonight is live uh, from that show. Um, but we put together 10 songs and performed it for a sold out audience. And then over the past year, we've now written the entire narrative arc and we're about to present the entire full form rock opera in all of its glory mm. uh, in a couple of weeks. You gotta be so excited. Oh, we are, we're over the moon. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing I think I've ever tried to pull off. And uh, I think everybody's kind of caught the bug in the mm. show. Um, and we're, we're just really excited to put this on for a crowd. Tell us who is involved. So um, it's a lot of folks from DC Music. Um, I brought in some, some of the guys from my band. So John Figura Jr. Uh, from Run Come See and Fred James from Run Come See. Uh, I brought in with some other folks that I play music with in Stranger in the Alps, like Steve Kolowich and Noah Bine. Noah Bine also plays uh, in some other groups like Aztec Sun and I think plays for every other <laughs> group that needs an amazing uh, keyboard player. Um, in terms of the songwriters, we also brought in Margaret Wassoff of uh, Ballad of, Jess Elliott Meyer of the Bumper Jacksons, Andrew Grossman of the North Country, Will McKinley Ward and Sam McCormley of First Ugly Purple Sweat, and then fellow creatures um and i think i got everybody there's so many of us crawling around this this rehearsal room i think i got everybody there <laughs> and there are some amazing photos of everybody on the website yeah uh, i love them yeah i worked with a guy uh, uh just kind of randomly I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher and uh, we had an art sub last year and he, this guy landry dunand who is a tin type photographer and i got wow. talking to him and we went and spent a day with him and it was an amazing process. We had we had so much fun. Oh my god! Yeah, there's so many parts of this, man. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so the song that we heard mm -hmm. at the top was called "Head Spinning." Yeah. So the way this kind of uh, the songwriting workshop worked was, um, I, I sat down with a, a Will McKinley Ward and Margaret Wassoff, and we came up with um, some character archetypes that we wanted to fill in our story. And at that time, we didn't have names for them, but it would just be in the real story of this uh, family from Cottage City. It was not a girl like we know from the movie The Exorcist. Uh, it was a boy. Uh, and so we, we had to have the, the boy who is going to become, become possessed. And of course, that means you also need to have a demon who can speak for the possession. And then the mother, uh, members of, a member of the family. We wanted a friend to represent the neighborhood. We wanted a reporter to be able to tell the stories that were going out in, in lots of papers and kind of spreading the story that William Peter Blatty eventually picked up on. He was a, a student at Georgetown University and he saw these in the paper and started kind of like thinking about writing this story. And so we needed a reporter. Um, we also needed a psychologist to kind of have the science side. We needed a priest. Um, and so we came up with these archetypes. And from there, I then called around. Uh, and very surprisingly, all these musicians said yes, <laughs> um, which was a great honor for me. Um, and from there, I sent them, we kind of came up with some character prompts, but I, I kept it very light. The, the idea was to write yourself into a character, write a voice for your character and a little bit of motivation from your own perspective so that these became real to you as the character and not just me giving you everything. So, but they were basically kind of a scene or an idea. And then I gave everybody a keyword. I just didn't tell them that all that they all got the same keyword, which was head spinning, which was a little play on words from the, from the, from the movie and mm -hmm. where we're decidingly not doing the, the kind of scenes that we know from the exorcist movie, we're telling a much more um, surprisingly human story that, 
kind of came out of this like to me as a songwriter like writing to the place of questions is a really interesting place to write from and so when you look at this story and you're like okay this was a real family something happened to this boy and from there the mother the priest the psychologist all decided yeah let's put him through the catholic rite of exorcism like so many question marks there and so the idea of giving a, 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 a of it being a more human story around that was really interesting to us and that's kind of what we've been creating uh, and so that song you just heard was john figura taking the song head spinning quite literally john plays the boy in the in in our show and he's in the, that scene he's kind of venting for the first time kind of all these frustrations that he's having in, in real life the, the the boy was really struggling at school he was really struggling with friends and being bullied uh had some family issues going on and so that that's kind of him letting it all out to a friend of his um uh who is a, played by andrew grossman and we've been playing with that song a little bit more as we've gone along but um yeah, it's kind of all that teen angst, uh, and John Figueroa does a good job of, of bringing that to life. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What is what is your role in all this, apart from being in the show? My, my wife calls me band dad. Um, I don't think I am that, but uh, the in reality, I'm, I'm, I created the songwriting workshop uh, with my friend Bill. We came up with the initial idea of it 10 years ago. Um, and then we talked about all these different ways of trying to do it. Those didn't work out. And then when this opportunity came up at the Brentwood Arts Exchange, I decided to do it in the workshop form. Um, and so I have be also become kind of the, some, uh, the de facto leader. I, you know, kind of, um, we, we do have a steering committee, so it's not just me calling the shots. Uh, there's, uh, Margaret Wassoff, Steve Kolowich and Will McKinley Ward. All, we all gather to be able to make sure things don't die in committee of the entire group. Um, <laughs> but it's been this crazy process of, um, writing something collaboratively, which, Often it can cause a lot of conflict and it has and at times, you know, people have different opinions about the way things should go or where the story was going to go. Um, but in the it also has brought this really uh, fresh take on how to write something. Um, and also I know I'm a painfully slow songwriter. Um, I, you know, I have I have chord progressions and lyrics from eight years ago that will someday emerge 12 years from now. Um, but, you know, the. Uh, so I knew I couldn't do this by myself and the, the trust and graciousness that the, that the artists who, who are working with me, um, are, are showing and, and the, you know, I, I get to open up these, these files of, of, I say, I send a little prompt, I send an idea and then, you know, over a, a text message, I get the first time of hearing a new Sam, uh, Sam McCormley song or a new, uh, Margaret Wassef song or like, and it's just amazing, uh, for me and then being able to work and then have that back and forth and trust each other to, 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 um, be kind, but also be real with each other and in the, and to be shooting for something that's not about an individual, but about, a story and what is serving the story is it's we've all like really learned a lot about each, ourselves um, but also about each other and so yeah I guess my my role has been largely kind of steering that ship and trying as best as I can to keep everybody afloat while also trying to keep myself afloat and make people happy and 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 honored and feeling heard and then somehow stitching it all together what what percentage of this project or the performances is 
music as we might know it in like a, a band setting and how much of it is is theater with acting and costumes and whatnot. It's a hundred percent. Well, let's say 95% music and 5% costumes and interacting. I mean, the, it is, it is a rock show and there we've the kind of the way we've set it up is that everybody who's playing the characters are also playing in the band. Um, and so, you know, um, there are times when the band is playing and not in character. They are just the band, but we've created a space at the front of the stage for when you enter this space, you are now your character. And, you know, as we're still standing in front of microphones, playing guitars and basses and, and keyboards and, but we're, we're, we're interacting with each other in that space. Um, and with, you know, with light ideas of costuming and, you know, with a cast of, of nine of us, um, there are still roles that need to be doubled. And so some people are playing, you know, multiple roles or for once one scene, we need to have somebody play a neighbor. So, you know, they put on that hat or that jacket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, it's, it is a rock opera slash concert album experience. <laughs> it, it is, uh, I saw a, um, a really great kind of version of this that really inspired me to um, the, the Decemberists did uh, the hazards of love and I went to that tour, I think it was at Meriwether. Mm-hmm. And the way that that was performed, it was very theatrical. And it was very, um, you knew that the characters were interacting and embodied a space and and um, really sold that to the audience. But it wasn't theater. It wasn't a musical. There's We don't really have any times where we stop the music and like act. In fact, pretty much everybody's been like, please don't make me act like without a, a guitar in my hand or something. <laughs> um, so we've, we've, I tried to write some of that in and it got nixed, uh, which I'm glad, glad for. It was, it was the right call. Um, but it's, yeah, it's largely, a, it is a, it is a concert, um, but a, a staged concert. Um, uh, but yeah, it's 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 definitely a rock show. Let's hear another song from the Haunted Boy. This one's called Firepower. Yeah, and uh, this song is uh, the boy uh, interacting with the demon. Uh, so this is John Figura interacting with my character, the demon, right after the demon has tried to court him into a conversation to try and possess him. Ooh. Feel a shift in the wind. Even another voice in my head. It's calling out, finding me to act in instead. My blood is boiling inside me and I'm seeing red. How'd you feel when your prayers went unanswered? How'd you feel when your friends all walked away? How'd you feel when your teachers and pastors cut you down to stay out of the devil's way? Spread. 
mother It's not like with some cold and distant father Firepower by John and Tom yeah. from the rock opera, The Haunted Boy. <laughs> the demon, the demon comes with the firepower. <laughs> um, were you a theater kid in addition to being a musician? I, I was. I, I moved from Seattle, Washington to the Gettysburg area, Pennsylvania, when I was uh, going into eighth grade. And uh, in Seattle, I was very much a sports kid. I was playing six sports a year. And when we moved, we were actually living outside of Gettysburg, so even more country than the country. And uh, and so we moved in this area, and it was beautiful, and I loved it. But there was really not a lot to do sports-wise in terms of what I wanted to be doing. Um, so no more swim team for me, or we could no more. There were soccer teams, but not locally close enough for me to play mm. until I got to high school and other things. So I just got really into music. And then when I got to high school, um, I had always wanted, I had a friend in elementary school who did theater and I was always jealous. I, I saw him perform and I'd be like, I want to do that. And then, um, I, when I got to high school and they didn't have a soccer team at my, at my high, my high school, there was one that I, a private team that I joined, but I got into a play and I was like, this is amazing. I love this. And then my, uh, my, my, the music that I was really interested in kind of moved from playing and I was playing like the saxophone and then I moved into playing and, and I always loved singing. And then I moved into, I found some people to start writing music with and joined a rock band and then it was all over. So then I just basically did theater and, uh, and, um, rock band, you know, mm-hmm. all throughout high school. Mm. Have you done theater like as an adult? Um, I did one show at the very, like I, I, in college I did a number of shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, but I, I, I'm a music educator, I'm a music teacher. And so I, I became very focused on that. And, but I, I think the last show I did was the Stephen Sondheim show, the assassins. Mm. Uh, it was a student production that a friend of mine was putting on. And I, at that time I was bartending and he showed up and was like, Hey Tom, I know you said you weren't going to do this anymore, but I really need you to play. Lee Harvey Oswald. And I was like, fine. 
<laughs> and it was great. I loved doing it. Um, <laughs> but since then, no, I put all I put all my theatrics into into my songwriting or mm. stagecraft, if I have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely do. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, in case anybody doesn't remember, uh, Run Come See was one of the bands that we had the honor of hosting on the Kennedy Center's Millennium Stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe that's like still on YouTube for anybody that hasn't seen it can go watch that. Uh, also stranger in the Alps. Yeah. Uh, another band that we hosted on the millennium stage and uh, both those shows were amazing. Oh, we had so much fun at those shows. Yeah. So good. So how many songs were part of this process? So the, the original was, uh, last year we did all the character archetypes. It was 10, 10 songs. Uh, we then sat down, wrote the full narrative kind of based off of those characters and where we wanted to go with it and the story we wanted to tell. And from that, we kind of created a list of like moments in time to tell that story. And then we wrote into that space. Um, at the end of that, we found we had too many songs. We had 28 <laughs> songs. Uh, and so over the past couple of weeks, we've been slowly um, and painfully cutting songs. Uh, but uh, to get to the a story um, that is easier to understand and and follow and also enjoy as in a live setting so we're down to 21 songs uh and um and we are yeah it's 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 a it's it's a behemoth of a show uh with but it's so interesting because the songs are also like because we have all these different people um it really does go in different directions musically um you know so for example i don't write the same type of music as Jess Elliott Meyer and Jess does not write the same type of music as Sam McCormley and Sam doesn't write the same type of music as Andrew, you know, like all these, like each of us comes at it from a different place. The, what's been really amazing though, is even though we have all these kind of different sounds and takes on, um, you know, rock and pop and all the spaces in between, um, the band is the same band. So like we, it, it somehow gels all together. <laughs> and then because we've been very intentional about the story and it, uh, it really does, it really has come together in a way that like surprised all of us. Mm. I, I find that I keep going home from rehearsals and being like, I cannot believe I'm part of this band <laughs> and part of this group. Um, it's, 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 it's been truly amazing mm. and, and really, um, yeah, I said it a little while ago, like the graciousness and creativity that people have brought to this um, has been truly an honor. And, and I'm, I'm excited, as excited about the music as I am to mm. listen yeah. as I am to perform it. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I understand you have an editor on staff. We do. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steve Kolowich is an editor uh, in his real day job. And so he part, became part of the steering committee, not just to help steer the, the ship in the direction we were going, but to uh, use that skill in uh, going through from point point A to point uh, Z mm-hmm. and uh, make sure that the story is all connected, that we're not leaving things un, uh, un, uh, not tied up. And, and um, he's done a, a, lot of, he's <laughs> a lot of work behind the scenes to make mm-hmm. this thing uh, really flow the way we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. So kudos to Steve. There are plenty of people, obviously, that are big fans of horror big fans of the exorcist Mm -hmm. and then there are some that um that are not uh that's not their cup of tea is this uh is this going to be a scary story it is not like we 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 talked around about how much we wanted to bring into the story um uh but we 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 found ourselves really being interested in how do we surprise the people 
and engage them who love horror and the story and and kind of uh, zig where they thought we were going to zag or or zag where we thought we were they were going to we were going to zig or whatever right. the phrase is um and but also how do we make something that is um that people who don't like the exorcist um would be in, would enjoy and and so that's what we also thought it was more interesting to write it from the human perspective than kind of the more fantastic uh, place that the Exorcist uh, movie and, and book went. Um, and those are awesome. I mean, I, I loved that book and I loved the movie. Um, but also in music, to 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 do some of those scenes would not. You could do it, but it would be pretty wild. Um, yeah, we we went in a direction that was less horror and more human. Mm -hmm. Uh, and again, like I was saying earlier, exploring those questions of, of why, Mm. like, why would you do this? And like, um, what, what was happening with the boy that made it so them feel like he was demonically possessed? And why would the adults in his life decide Mm -hmm. that this was the right thing to do? Mm. And then all the questions along the way for the, for these individuals, um, that's where our story really sits. Um, you know, we keep getting asked, is this, is this something my, my kid can go to? And I'm sure if you, you know, we, we were dealing with the themes of death and loss and struggling and mental illness and questionable decisions by parents or adults around a kid and questionable decisions for a kid, you know, like, so if you like, it's, we're, we're not going in the horror Mm -hmm. area, but you know, it's still, it's still adult themed, Mm -hmm. um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely not a scary show. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Did you explore, um, the history and the, the details of, of exorcism? Yeah. Um, we did, uh, you know, I did a lot of reading, uh, and you know, the early, uh, I asked and put out there as much material to the folks who were involved, um, as I could. Um, we really, the, the, the main books that we went to were source materials from, there's a book by a guy named Mark Obsasnik who wrote a book called the, uh, the true story of the exorcist or, um, I, I believe that's the title and, and I'm sorry if I got that wrong, but, um, it, 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 it was a kind of a deep dive into really trying to find who was the family, where were they, what was going on, talk to the people in the neighborhood and find anybody that remembered them. Um, and, and also well, I should say this, we used the family as a starting point for a new fictitious story. And there's a lot of points along the way that we are kind of trying to keep to the, the, the story that we found and some of the other source material we found. Um, but we are still, it's not a true biography of mm-hmm. this kid. It's, it's, it is, we, 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 we kind of took it in our own direction, mm-hmm. um, while trying to stay true to some of the ideas um, uh, and points along the way of that story as well. Yeah. I just love that it is tied to our area, you know, tied Absolutely. to the DC area and also is created by the music scene of the area yes. and the collaboration that, you know, I'm always talking about on the podcast about, you know, this musician is in this band and they were in this other band and, uh, how it all fits together. And, you know, this is going to be a huge, uh, puzzle piece all fitting together of all these great musicians, um, collaborating, you know, not just on the performance, but on the songwriting, which is really, really fun. Yeah. And you know, the, all, all these, um, uh, places in DC who have connections to this, you know, from, not just from our area, but Georgetown university, you know, the, the boy went to, was, uh, 
went through some treatments over in that area. Uh, William Peter Blatty was a student at Georgetown University when he's hearing about these things. Uh, you know, there's the Exorcist Steps, which were, you know, film part of the filming of this. You know, there's there's so many different connections. There's a from the actual story. There was a group uh, which we lightly touch on in, in our thing. We were there was a group called the parapsychologists. This is the 1940s. Mm-hmm. So parapsychology was psychologists, you know, early forms of psychology studying the unknown or things you couldn't explain. And so there was a, uh, a gathering of the parapsychologists of, you know, the greater society of parapsychologists of Washington, D.C. at the old Mount Pleasant Library. Mm. And they talked about this case, you know, so there's all these like little places in D.C. And, and the surrounding area that are wrapped up in both the real story and then all of the myth that came out of it, um, you know, from our town it was long rumored that Mount Rainier was the place where it happened. Mm. And it was at, and that there was, there's this gazebo up on the Hill and that's where the, that's where the house used to be. And they tore it down after this and they built a gazebo there and it's a haunted park and people used to go up there to like scare themselves, but it actually didn't even happen there. It happened in Cottage city. Um, so there's all these myth and lore and it, 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 it's, you know, it is a story that's very tied to our area Mm. and, and you're right. Like having local musicians who live in this area, you know, I would say, Five of the musicians in this live within eight blocks of <laughs> of the where this story happened. I've been to the house. I meet. I've met the people mm. who live there now. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty wild. Like, um, but yeah, the the connection, the puzzle pieces of bringing all these people together. That that really for me has been the true joy mm. of working on this. Yeah. Let's hear another song. Sure. We're gonna hear a song called "Oh You and I." Mm. So this is a song that Jess Elliott Meyer wrote. She plays the character of Aunt Ruby, uh, who um, passed away um, right around the time that the boy really started acting out, and it's largely viewed as a triggering point for him uh, in whatever was going on with him. And so the this song that we're portraying here is that uh, uh, Ruby is coming to her sister, um, uh, who's played by Margaret Wassef and is the mother of the boy in, uh, who we're calling Roland. And uh, Ruby at this point is, dun da da she's dead. And uh, she's coming in a dream, uh, a daydream. And they're kind of thinking about all the things they used to do um, as, uh, as sisters, which they were very into the Ouija board as a family. And they, and they, we, we, the way we're playing that is that the sisters used to do this in the kitchen as a, as a pastime. And so the the, what we're actually hearing are all of the mother's worries about her son, but being voiced by her sister in a daydream. Mm. All right, let's hear it.
Featuring the lovely Jess Elliott Myrie from mm-hmm. the Bumper Jacksons. I love that I heard that song and was like, oh, there's Jess. Oh, yeah. Yep. Unmistakable. Oh, yeah. Unmistakable. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how did all these people come together? How did you get such a, a great lineup to do sure. this collaboration with? Um, uh, one, I know a lot of these folks um, just from DC Music. Um, I'm kind of a fanboy of many of them. Uh, and, um, and then also some of them live, uh, over in my neighborhood. So I know them from the neighborhood. Um, but a, a large part of it, I think was, uh, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of projects, 
uh, went indoors and were recordings and um, were or were very much solo or not at all. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of a lot of us hit pause um, as things kind of fizzled up, um, and we hit this moment where the artist in residence was kind of during this nice little spot where you know between between strains where there's a little bit more safety. Um, uh, and I think people were looking for a project, um, or were receptive to this idea. And, uh, you know, I, I love collaborating. I think, I, I think a lot of other people do as well. And it was an opportunity to, to try something a little bit new and, and fresh, um, especially when a lot of things dried up in different ways. Mm-hmm. That's not for everybody. Of course, you know, different people had music going on in different ways, but I think a lot of, I think the pandemic really allowed this to happen. I, I, I'd like to think that people would say yes if I asked them today, <laughs> but seeing how busy everybody is right mm-hmm. now again, um, which is a good thing, you know, oh, yeah. everybody's got shows again, everybody's playing music again, which is great. And mm-hmm. this is a big ask that I keep at, asking them to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it, I think that it was a unique time that people could say yes and mm-hmm. did. And I'm, I'm still mm. blown away that they did. Um, I understand that there are some poems related to this project. Yeah, we ran in a, a weird way. We ran, there was a contest ran by a local outlet to give away some free tickets, and uh, uh, they sent us the the two winners. Um, my favorite uh, is uh, actually the, somebody knew the family that owns the house where the the this whole thing took place in in reality in our neighborhood and so their their haiku was my friends own the house the boy lived in it would be funny to send them which is so i love it that i have no idea who this person is but right. they're writing poetry about something that we we created and they got some free tickets so maybe i'll meet them if you're out there come find us yes <laughs> write more poetry <laughs> Oh man, the collaborations just keep coming. It keeps coming. It's so good. I love it. Um, so the show is happening for the the middle two weekends in November, mm-hmm. and then then what? That is the big question. You know, we're 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 very focused on pulling this thing off. Oh, it's yeah. a lot. Um, we I, I know that I really want to record it. I think it is something that I want to document uh, in a studio kind of way. Um, that we will be making just like we've been listening to these tracks that were recorded, um, by the amazing sound engineer, Sven Abo, who's joining us again, uh, on sound and, um, and also being videotaped as well by, uh, MNCPPC, who is Maryland Parks and Planning and who is actually still partnering with us. They were part of the, um, uh, Brentwood Arts Exchange, where I did my artist in residency, is part of Maryland Parks and Planning, and so they have continued to co-sponsor this through from beginning and now to its second point along its journey, um, and uh, and also Joe's Movement Emporium is where we're doing this is also sponsoring us too, um, but I, I I would like to see this at least get to the recording phase. Um, it's you know it's hard not to wonder what could be the next step, you know. Um, uh, there's been ideas thrown around of taking a step back from being the performers and maybe moving, finding a theater who wants to try and, and do this. Um, but you know, these are all, these are all wonderful pipe dreams or whatever, <laughs> a wonderful fantasies. Um, but yeah, right now I'm, I'm solely focused on getting, making these shows really awesome and then hopefully getting to a place where we can really record it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also get feedback, you know, like oh, yeah. after six shows, I think some people are going to talk about it or want to talk about it with us. Uh, and, um, we'll get, hopefully get some feedback and see what, if we want to do another edit or 
go a different direction. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to find out. I yeah. think I think it will still have legs. It mm. just depends on where those legs take us. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, but speaking of, of talking about it, if anybody wants to give us feedback, uh, on the 13th, the Sunday the 13th matinee show, right after the show, there's actually going to be a question and answer uh, session. So if you are the type of person out there who likes to give feedback or want to talk about something or ask a bunch of questions, we are here for you in the Haunted Boy. We on on the 13th. Come That's on out. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear there's another special show on the 19th. Yeah, we're, um, the, we are doing an ASL, American Sign Language Interpreted Show, um, for people uh, in the deaf community and also hard of hearing. And we're trying to work with, um, I, I mean, I am a hearing musician, so it's not my forte. I, I don't have expertise in this, so we're trying to partner uh, with people who are in the deaf and hard of hearing community to give us some ideas. Um, so one thing, we're also going to offer um, some, a series of headphones that people can plug into the board. Mm. Uh, so for people who are hard of hearing, who want to follow, who want to be able to hear it as well. Um, we're trying out some different ideas. Um, we're trying to, I'm, I'm sitting down with the, one of the owners from Streetcar 82, which is a deaf-owned brewery mm. uh, up along uh, Route 1 in my neighborhood, um, to talk about this, uh, to say, hey, um, uh, again, I am a hearing musician, not my forte. Um, right. how, how can I better serve the, the community? Because we, we also really do look at this as a community show. Mm -hmm. We have community musicians writing yep. a local story, yep. performing in a local venue, which is eight blocks down the road from it, from the house. Yep. Uh, let's and let's let's bring in you know a, a larger part of our community. And, and in the DC area, we're you know blessed with Gallaudet and a, a large mm -hmm. deaf community. How can we, as musicians, reach out to them too? So yeah, the nineteenth is our ASL interpreted show, um, and yeah, we're really excited about that. That's fantastic. I think you have so many bases covered. So many, so many awesome facets to this project. Uh, you know, I love all the collaboration and love that it's going to be, you know, like a growing, ongoing thing. I don't think that even after this is concluded, these series of performances are concluded. I don't think we've heard the last of it. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, well, if uh, if if I think we're about to hear another song, if uh, if Steve Kolowich, uh has his way from this song, "The Devil Ain't the Half of It," which is the name of the song, uh, which is a nice little little piece of uh, uh, an idea of what we're doing in this thing, but also maybe where we're going with this thing. That you know, we're not we're not done once we've told the story of this little demon. Uh, we'll see where it goes. That's awesome. All right, one more time, the information for people that want to check out this show. Yeah, it's uh, November the 11th, 12th, and 13th, and then uh, 18th and 19th and 20th at Joe's Movement Emporium. You can get tickets at joesmovement.org, or you can go to our website, which is thehauntedboyproject.com, all one word, thehauntedboyproject.com. <laughs> Awesome. Tom Little, thank you so much for thank joining so us on the podcast. Paul. This is great. Uh, I love it. I love it. I cannot wait to see the show. Come on out and see it. <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy this last song from The Haunted Boy, and we will see you all next time. See you later, everybody. I was scared that I was going to hell Jesus Christ was near enough to hear me ring the bells Now I go to work on Sundays DSM in hand 
Hell is just another word For I don't understand Oh man She was fourteen, she was scared He was going to hell Eyes would deaden like the sound Inside the broken bell Cutlery locked in the cabinet China on the floor Mother locked inside the bathroom Father out the door Did you hear your voice speaking in tongues? Was there evil among us? Did it break him down? Was it you who was broken? Possessed is more or less the word I'd use But the devil ain't the half of it Now comes the minister to pray beside the bed. Now comes the drinking glass spinning towards his head. Hail Mary, hallelujah, innocence restored. Guess we give and get the treatment that we can afford. Oh Lord. Tell me, Father, did you hear the voice speaking in tongues? Was the shake the walls or was it you who was shaken best is more or less God's honest truth but the devil ain't the half of it the devil ain't the half of it No soul can't be saved. Mercy and forgiveness flow like currents through the nave. Now I burn through temples with electrodes and the gel. 
Faith is just another word For only time will tell Oh, hell Tell me, Mother Did you hear your voice speaking in tongues? Was there evil among us? Did it break him down? Was it you who was broken? Possessed is more or less the word I use But the devil ain't the half 